Good morning, family. How's everybody doing today? I'm glad to be with you guys. I'm excited to be together. Um, I'm always excited to get together with my church family and, and uh, be here as one and, and as one body. But I'm also super excited about our guests. I'm excited about those who've come in and, and given a chance for something to happen. You know, even if you don't know what that is or what it could possibly be, um, God has very specific plans for each of us. And, the, and those specific plans always involve drawing us as close up into his arms as he can possibly get us and loving on us with a passion that nobody else can. And I'm so thankful for the chance to, to get to share some of that with you today um, and to, to be a part of that process with you. So um, this year, our theme is equipped. This is the last um, sermon in our, our series on our main theme for now. Um, on, and today we're going to be talking about being equipped to plant churches. And I'll go into that more in a little bit. Um, but, but at the end of the day, with all of these things that we've talked about, all the things that we want to be equipped with, the point of all of it is to be as much like Jesus as possible and as much like for our church to look as much like the church that was built by the people who walked with Jesus as possible. That's what we want. To, we want to take our cues from the steps that Jesus took and then the guys who stayed with him and the people that learned from him and the things that they did because that was right from the source. And so we want to be just like them in every way we can. Um, and one of the things we see the early church doing all the time that, they were, that was so important to them is one of the main things they focused on was, was communion. It was them getting together and saying, at the end of the day, what matters more than anyone else, what matters more than anything else as a church is that we remember what brought us together in the first place and, and who Jesus is. And so they would take this time that Jesus laid out and he said at, at a dinner with his closest followers, he said, this is my body as he shared around bread that had been broken. And he passed around a cup and he said, this is my blood. And and the point of it all was that this is a sacrifice that I'm making for you. And your identity as a church, as a family, needs to be sacrifice. Needs to be sacrificing yourself so that we can love on others. That's what we're supposed to be about. And that's really going to be at the root of everything we're going to talk about today. If we don't get that down, then we're better off not planting churches. And so we, we need to make sure that we stay with our roots in the start. So um, I'm going to take some time. We're going to take communion together. We've got um, bread that's been broken in the back and juice that we can take. Um, together. So I'm going to pray. We'll take that together and then come back together for the, the message. Um, Father in heaven, I pray that, um, that we would always put you at the center of everything that we do, that we wouldn't be distracted by, um, by worldly topics and, and, and chaos, Father, that we wouldn't be distracted by um, feeling like we need to come up with a perfect strategy or that we need to be enough. Um, Father, all of the good things that happen in this body happen because your, your spirit works through us. Um, because your love showed us how to do it first. And so I just want to bring us back to our roots, bring us back to um, your table, and remembering that the Savior gave everything so that we could be a part of this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Jumped the gun a little bit. There was more to that song than I realized. All right. Um, so talking about being equipped to plant churches. So I want to start off by just laying out the scene of the American church right now. There's been a ton of research done about this because it's not hard to look and see that there's something different about the church in America than what you see in the Bible. There's some differences there, um, and so people see that, and they're like, okay, what gives? Like, let's talk about where the church is at. So there are about 350,000 churches in the United States right now. That's a lot of churches. Four out of five, about 80 to 85%, have either plateaued, like they're not growing at all, or are in active decline. Right? So 80 to 85% of those 350,000 churches are, are leveled out or dying out. And of the 15% that are growing, 99% of the churches that are growing are growing from transfer growth. 
So they're growing by drawing people from one church to another church. You open up a church, it's got a great show, you've got a popular preacher, and people move from other churches and that church grows, right? It's really more of a swelling than a growing, if you look at it that way. It's, it's people just moving, shifting numbers around. So there's, there's recent research that states there are around 195 million non-churched people in the United States. That puts us in the top four for unchurched people with India, China, and Indonesia, right? That's, that's who we're in. We are one of the largest mission fields in the world right now. Less than 1% of churches in the U.S. are growing by reaching unchurched people. That's what all that means. Less than 1% of churches in this country are growing by just individually reaching out to people that need Jesus and bringing them in. That's where we're at. And what we see, this is not so different from where the early church started out. When the early church started out, they're coming out of Judaism in a, in a place where their church, their community, was not super concerned with reaching out to the rest of the world. Right? That was not on their priority list. It just They were comfortable with where they were at and protecting their own, and that was the priority. And the early church's answer to this, and, and like we said, we want to be as much like Jesus and the guys who followed him as possible. The early church's answer to this stagnation in Judaism was to plant churches. That's how they overcame it. And because they did that, we are still going, right? Thousands of years later, that's what their answer was. And so if that's what their answer was, if that's what Jesus started, then that's what we want to do. So when you look at why does Connect want to plant churches, and, and I think, and we'll get into this a lot more as we go, I think there's a reason, or it's a really important reason for us to start off, even when we were half this size, even when we brought 30 people over even then, it was really important for us to remember that we're here to, where our goal is to plant churches. You've kind of got to have that in the beginning for it to happen later. And we're going to go into more of why that is a little bit later. But the, the main reason we want to be about planting churches is that the early church in the Bible had a habit of planting churches, and they had a huge impact on the world around them. And the, they did that because they wanted to be like Jesus. That's our goal. We at Connect want to be like Jesus. That's why we want to plant churches. It's not because someone told us we needed to. It's not because we went to a seminar one day and they're like, hey, this is the, the easiest way to do whatever. You know, no, it was, we just looked at Jesus and this is what Jesus did and this is what his followers did. They started stuff that kept going. Jesus was the first church planter. He saw from heaven, right? He looked at his place of comfort and he saw what was going on down here and he's like, y'all need some Jesus, right? <laughs> like, that's what we need. And so he came, and he came down to this earth, and he's like, okay, let's do this. Let's start something. And I'm gonna, when Jesus does something, he doesn't do anything halfway, right? In our churches, in our hearts, nothing that Jesus does is by half measures. And so when Jesus came down and he started something, it really took off, because that's what Jesus does. In Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, it says, the Lord has anointed me. This is talking about Jesus coming before Jesus came hundreds of years before Jesus ever came to this earth. Isaiah writes, The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Jesus looked at what sin had done in this world and said, you need help, you need healing, you need to be bound up and freed 
and all these things that Jesus alone can bring. And he was in a place of ultimate comfort, right? He was in, a, he was in heaven with God. He was at the best of the best. He was in the best place you can possibly be, where all of us want to get to. And he said, I'm going to leave all of that to go into a place that's hurting and broken and bind up as many as I can and, and heal them and help them to get on their feet again. That's what Jesus did. So if we want to be like Jesus, what are we going to do? We're going to leave our places of comfort, our places of security, our places where we feel at home, and we're going to go find the people that are hurting and being beat up by this world, and then we're going to go in and we're going to let His Spirit go and change their lives, right, through the love that we show. That's what we're going to do. We want to be that kind of church. We want to have that kind of mindset that's more concerned with the needs of others than with our own comfort, right, because that's what we see in Jesus. And if we're going to do that, we're going to go out and we're going to find those who need it. And that's, that's planting churches. So we want to plant churches because we want to be like Jesus. We want to plant churches because we want to be faithful to the Great Commission. We want to be faithful to the Great Commission. Jesus didn't just come down and try some stuff and be like, all right, y'all do with that what you want. We'll see how it goes. Right? No, he came down. He said, this is the most important thing in human history. And I need you guys to get on board with it. Right? He gave a specific commission to his followers and said, I need you to be faithful to this great commission. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Matthew 28. All right, reaching out to people is a messy business, right? It is not as messy. It is, it is not messy to go and set up a comfortable building with programs that, that do things that you enjoy doing and, and just have a place where you can come hang out. That's pretty easy to stay faithful to that. I can be, it's not hard. I don't have to work to get up and go do that because they're doing the stuff I feel like doing and it's a comfy, warm place to do it, right? But if you want to really get messy with people, if you want to get into people's lives and deal with all their weirdness, right? If The people who dealt with all my weirdness and all my quirks and all my little habits of pushing people away when you got too close and it got a little scary, the people who put up with that had to be faithful, right? Because I, I took some work, right? It, it wasn't, no one who was just about this casually was going to reach me. It took some people who were willing to take a few no's. It took some people who were willing to see that I'm not pushing you away because I'm upset with you. I'm pushing you away because I'm afraid of what it means to let go of this stuff I've been doing. Right? I'm pushing you away because there's some hurt in here that I don't know how to talk about because in my family, you don't grow up talking about hurt. In my family, you pretend like it's okay and you smile and everyone's fine. Right? And so I don't want your coming in here and asking me about things that's awkward. Right? I don't know how to have that conversation and so you need to go away. And enough people gathered around me and stuck with me through me saying that over and over again that they broke through, but it's because they were faithful to the commission they've been given. Their mission... To seek out my heart was more important to them than their fear of rejection, than their fear of, of awkwardness, right? Of their fear of not, maybe not having run into someone who operated like I did before, right? The mission was more important to them than that. And I praise God every day for that. I'm so thankful for that. They were faithful to the Great Commission. We want to plant churches because we want to care for the hurting. We want to care for the hurting. We want to be a place where the hurting are cared for. Um, Jamie put it perfectly in class today. We were in Bible class, and Jamie's like, look, we're a, we're a hospital, right? And I'm like, that's, that's awesome, amen. Like, that's, that's what we want to be. We want to be a place, it's not a social club. It's not somewhere you go, and, and if you look awkward, we just kind of shove you off to the side so we can keep having a good time. 
right? We want to be a place where the wounded come and, and seek this out because it's a place where you can get healing, right? I'm not embarrassed when I go to a hospital that I have an injury, right? Like that's not, everyone there is in, this, in there for the same thing. Everyone who's in the hospital, right, is, is in there because they need some kind of healing. So we're all in the same boat. And in fact, just the nature of humanity is that even the ones who are working there have been hurt at some other time, right? Because we all get hurt. And so there's just this public acknowledgement in the hospital that, look, I'm binding you up right now. I had to be bound up at some other time. Nobody in here is free from pain for their whole lives, right? Everyone in this building is here because we, we either needed help and got help, and now we're helping you, or you currently need help. And that's what we want to be as a church. And when we're planting out churches, we want to spread our opportunity. A lot of churches have lost their way. They've become places where you can come every Sunday and then leave and go live your life the way you want to live it right? And nobody questions that, and it doesn't really change anything. And, and what I see from Jesus is that he saw the hurt in the world, and what he saw was that there weren't enough people to help. He said there are too many people hurting and not enough people to do the binding up. In Matthew 9, 36 and 38, this is how he says it. it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Right? He saw a bunch of people that were hurting, and he said, there is not enough help to go around. And instead of just complaining about it or just saying that, he actually went about training people to help with the problem. Right? Jesus saw the need, and he said, instead of just saying, man, this is really awful that so many people are hurting, he went and trained people and said, I'm going to teach you how to help hurting people, and then I'm going to teach you to teach others how to help hurting people. And we're going to grow this thing and spread this thing until there's enough people to help, right? And we're still in the process of doing that. If you look around you, it's not hard to see there's still not enough help, amen? There, we still need more workers. What Jesus said thousands of years ago is still is true today. We still need more help. And so we're going to keep training workers who learn how to help people, and then we're going to train them to train others to, on how to heal people. That's planting churches. That's literally what that is. It's just growing the number of disciples, growing the number of people who know how to have healthy conversations with people that lead them into the arms of Jesus, who's the only one who can provide the healing anyway, right? That's what we're about because that's what we see. That's what we see was effective. That's what we see is important, and it's more important than anything else I do. Helping hurting people is more important to me than reaching retirement at a young age. It's more important to me than upgrading my car. It's more important to me than, than being comfortable in the place where I live. It's more important to me than anything because someone made it their priority to help me when I was hurting. It was more important to them than anything else. And so I was healed. And that's what I want for everyone else. So we want to be like Jesus, right? We want to, we want to have, be faithful to the commission he gave us. We want to care for the hurting. We also want to plant churches because we know new churches mean new people. And that is an exciting thing. There was not always, there was a point in my life where I would say new people was not a good thing, right? I am not one in my nature to go and seek out unfamiliar people. That's, that's not comfortable for me, um, or it wasn't. Um, and so that wasn't as exciting as it has become. But what's, what's changed that, the thing that has changed my outlook on that is that the cool thing about new people is they come with new stories, right? And when you take the time to get to know them, and you take the time to hear the stories, it is awesome. 
It is so cool, and it is really fun, and it will break through your awkwardness, and it will break through your fears and everything else. But when you hear the stories that people bring with them of this is what I was, and this is what I am, and this is how I felt, and now this is how I'm freed from that, it is awesome, and it is really exciting. And so new churches mean new people. In Acts 1.8, it says, um, rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's Jesus talking to his people. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And like we talked about that, I don't, I don't necessarily have the map of Jerusalem and Judea and all that memorized, but, but it, the idea is like it's our city and our county and our country and our world, right? It doesn't say, I don't want to reach out to Tulsa and Tulsa and Tulsa and Tulsa, right? And there are people in this room that if we'd stayed here, right, that never would have been reached. And there are so many more that haven't been reached yet because we're not going to stay here, right? We're not going to limit ourselves to just the people in this area. We're going to continue to grow and find new people with stories we've never heard before. If you are here today, you are here because someone planted a church, right? Not necessarily us two years ago, right? It's been done. We didn't invent it, right? It's been going on for a long time. But at some point, somebody planted a church, you planted a church, you planted a church times 10, right? And, and here you are. Right? That's, why it's, that's why you're here. That's why you are in relationship with Christ. In Acts 2.47, it talks about the church and what it looked like. And it said, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number every day those who were being saved. See, the enemies of Christianity tried to shut them down by persecuting, by, by abusing them, by going through all kinds of stuff. The early church went through some stuff. But they didn't stop. They wouldn't stop. And because of that, it only spread. It only grew more because they were determined that what I have cannot stay with me. New people need this all the time. That's what their commitment was. And then finally, we, we plant churches because we understand that church plants diversify the kingdom of God. Planting churches, going into other areas that you are less familiar with, diversifies the kingdom of God. One of the incredible things about the kingdom of God is that it was always meant to be diverse, right? And you, you look at you know, how he started it with, with Judaism, and he's like, okay, I'm going to take this people, and I'm going to teach them what it looks like to follow me. But in that, even in the beginning of that, see, when God first started his relationship with Abraham and his descendants, the first thing he said was, I'm going to teach you, but the goal is so that you can bless the whole world. Right? He started with Abraham with a vision from the beginning, when he didn't even have a kid yet, that this is going to be so that others can be blessed. Right? I'm walking with you so that we can spread this thing. And, and that was the goal. And so we, the goal was always for Jesus to come and, and open this thing up to everyone. And I will tell you, the church certainly has not always lived up to this role. Right? There are places in the South where we were the last ones to, to desegregate. We were the last ones to be opening and, and, and welcome to others. And there's still times in certain segments of society where, where the church is a place of fear as opposed to a place of healing for people that are dealing with certain things. Right? And I get that. But that doesn't mean it's what we were supposed to be. And it doesn't mean it's what we have to be. When you do church the way Jesus did it, diversity just happens. You don't have to make it a program. You don't have to make it this special thing that you do. It just happens if you do it the way Jesus did it. In Acts 8, and kind of scattered throughout that, I'm going to pick and, and choose here in 1 and 4 and 25. It says, at that time, the church in Jerusalem began to be subjected to vicious harassment. Everyone except the apostles was scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, 
And those who'd been scattered moved on, preaching the good news along the way. After the apostles had testified and proclaimed the Lord's word, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the good news to many Samaritan villages along the way. And we read that and like, okay, fine, it was along the way. Samaria was not on the way for anyone of a Jewish background. Samaria was the place you went around. Samaria was the part of town that you don't go in, right? That was the, the people that we don't associate with. But these guys were different. The birth, the birth of the church, the first thing they did was desegregate the barrier between them and Samaria. The, racial, the biggest racial divide in, Jewish, in the Jewish world is the first thing that they broke down as a church. And they didn't have to have a special unity program. They just went in a straight line instead of going around them. Does that make sense? There are so many times the church is, is, when the church is not diverse, it's because we went around neighborhoods. It's because we went around people. And if we'll just go in a straight line and run into whoever we run into, then it, diversity happens because we're all around each other, or we should be, right? If our eyes are open and we're not putting on blinders and running around the people that are uncomfortable, then it just happens. We started out, as our church started out as a college ministry, and we ran into a problem. Our problem was that as we just reached out to people, we gathered people of all kinds of different ages and people who weren't in college. And we looked up and like 80% of our church wasn't in college. <laughs> we're still, we weren't a church yet. We were a college ministry, right? With ages of like, you know, six to 92, you know? <laughs> and most of them weren't in school. And we're like, I don't know what this is. Well, it's a church, right? And so we're like, I guess we're a church, right? Because when you, when you just reach out to everyone and you don't veer around them, then you just gather up whoever, Jesus had the weirdest group of people around him in human history, right? He gathered up people, and I think kind of on purpose, there were people in Jesus' intimate group of 12 who would have killed each other before meeting Jesus, literally. There was a guy who was a Roman a tax collector for the Romans, a Jewish tax collector for the Romans. He took, people out of his, he took money out of his own people's pockets and lined the Romans' pockets with him. And there was a guy named Simon who was a zealot, and zealot doesn't mean he's really excited about stuff. Zealot was a political party that would knife people who were traitors to Judaism. And he's like, hey, let's walk together for three years, right? <laughs> he broke down barriers. That's what Jesus did. The group around Jesus was diverse by nature. Jesus talked to all kinds of people that, that others, even his followers, would pull him aside and be like, we don't talk to those people, right? You can't do that. It's a girl, right? <laughs> like, you can't talk to her in public. You can't talk to girls in public, Right? He's like, watch me. Right? <laughs> Says who? Like, I'm the Lord. Right? You can't tell me that. I say what we do. Right? That's, what Jesus, that's the example that Jesus gave us. And you don't have to do anything different other than relentlessly love whoever God puts in front of you. Amen? That's what sparks diversity. That's how that happens. In Matthew 24, 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We are not to pick and choose who gets to hear about Jesus based on who we're comfortable with. Amen? We see the early church consistently go into areas where they're the minority or where the culture is new to them, and they make disciples there without any problems because they just love on people. Or when they ran into problems, they still didn't stop, right? In Mark 13, 10, it says, then the gospel must first be preached to all nations. There's a, there's a parable that Jesus tells about sowing seed and the idea is like sharing the word of god and he says there's this farmer right he's got this seed that he's going to plant and instead of like isolated spots where he's like that looks especially good and that looks especially good and that looks especially good he takes the seed and he just scatters it everywhere and he's like whatever god does with it is cool you know it's, it's going everywhere i'm not going to look and say 
this one looks more promising than that one. And that's, that's our approach. We hear Jesus say that and we're like, all right, I see you. Right? We're not just going to go to that specific campus and only reach out to students that are on that, in that five-mile radius. No, we're just going to go, and if I'm on my way to campus and I stop at a gas station and I run into somebody, that's, a, that's someone God put in front of me. Right? If i got to go to work before I go out to campus, all those people that are at my work are people God put in front of me. And they're a different group of people, and they're maybe not like the target audience. It doesn't matter. Right? It's where we take the approach because the, the approach that Jesus took. We're not going to judge whether you look like you'd be easy to talk to, whether you're familiar to us, right? We're just going to go up to everybody that God puts in front of us and be Jesus to them. So that's why Connect is about planting churches. So what can you do? What can we do as individual people? Because the church will not plant other churches unless the individual members of this church decide that we need to be equipped to plant other churches, Right? We, we can't start a program and say, because we say the church will do this, the church will do this. It only works if each of us individually do it together. Right? That we decide that we're going to bind together and each one of us are going to be um, about the Father's business. So what do I need to be willing to do? Well, I need to be willing to consider going on a church plant. Not everyone has to go on a church plant. If all of us left, that would be counterproductive, right? Like, there's still someone has got to stay behind. But all of us need to be consider willing to go on a church plant, to think about it, to run that through our head. What would that look like? What would it look like for me to move out? What would it look like for me to, to go to a place where they're starting something new? For us, that's pretty easy to picture because we just did it a couple years ago for some of us, right? But, um, but what if we had to do that again after we got comfortable here? See, whether we go or not, we need to have a mindset that we're on a mission no matter where that takes us. Having just going through the mental exercise is beneficial, of am I willing to go out if I'm called to do that? In Romans 10, 14 through 17, it says, but before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them. And before someone can go and tell them, that person must be sent. And I would say, must accept the call. It is written, how beautiful is the person who comes to bring the good news. But not all Jews accepted the good news. Isaiah said, Lord, who believed what we told them? So faith comes from hearing the good news, and people hear the good news when someone tells them about Christ. Jesus came down from heaven in perfection and spent three years, three years preparing those who would carry on the work that he sacrificed everything to open the way for. And it's wild how quick we can know that in one moment and then go on to something else. My friend, I was listening to my friend TC talk about this in a lesson um, and TC was somebody who was reached through a church plant at a church that talked a lot about planting other churches and growing. And, and man, when he was first reached, he was all about it. He's like, the only reason I'm here is because someone did this. Someone moved away from their home and they reached me and now my whole life has changed. And he's got this crazy story of this awful background and this terrible st stuff that he went through. And he's like, man, and now I've got, you know, kids who've never seen me hit my wife, who've never seen me um, you know, passed out drunk on the floor. We've never had to wake mom up because she was too drugged up to go and take me to school, right? All these things that were normal for him, his kids never have to see. He's got this amazing wife and this awesome family. But what came with that is when it became time where they were starting to look at doing their next church plant, he's like, but now I got this house and my kids, right? And, and we're so comfortable. Like it was, it was just, it just flipped. And he's like, I've got all this stuff. And it, all of a sudden, he's like, man, am I willing? Like, am I, am I okay? I was so excited about it before. And it took someone saying, it took him thinking through that and saying, 
has my stability become more important than, than reaching others, right? And it wasn't for the guy who reached me, but has it become that for me? And we all need to run through that exercise and think, like, has that, what's most important to me? I, what, not what I say is most important, but in reality, when, what, how does my heart react when I think about giving up comfort, right? It wasn't easy to, you know, four years ago to sell our house, to pull our kids out of their school, to drive hours away from our nearest, nearest family member. That wasn't something that we came to lightly. That wasn't something that we, we just did on a whim. We did it because we had seen others do it. And we saw how it worked out. And we have been blessed ever since. Right, God, we have never looked back because we are so much better off than if we had stayed where we were. So we've got to think about so that when the moment comes, you're ready. Staying willing to go has a huge impact on, on our hearts being flexible and sensitive. Right? It is, it is easy for our hearts to get hardened when we stay in one place. But when we mentally run through and we're like, man, I'll go wherever then when the time comes to get uncomfortable, even while you're here, you're more able to access that. You're more able to get there and, and make yourself comfortable and do hard things. Man, when they announce four things that are happening on a Saturday that you thought was pretty wide open, right? You're not like, oh man, like that was my sleep-in day, you know, right? Like your, your heart is flexible. Instead of thinking that, you think there are little kids who don't know Jesus, whose parents don't know Jesus, who are coming here thinking they're just going to come to learn to, to talk and read and sing, Right, and we're going to share love with them that they don't even know is coming their way, right? And then we've got coworkers that hey, maybe their kids like awesome games in a parking lot they can come out to and, and have fun with, and maybe they don't know Jesus, so maybe I can invite them out to that, right? There's there's all kinds of things going on, but if our hearts are flexible, we can react to that. But if we stay stuck in place, then we we start getting selfish, and it happens faster than you think. And and we're young right now. We're a young church, not in, in age necessarily, but in and it's how long we've been around, and then the mission's still fresh, but we've got to keep this in mind, and we've got to keep our hearts flexible, and, and you know, five, six, seven, however many years from now when we're ready to go out to Claremore, um, and then, you know, five, six, seven years after that when we're ready to go out to Owasso or Tahlequah or wherever's next, you know, and you start thinking, Tahlequah, right? Like, I don't know, I don't know, I've never been out there, right? Like, I don't, I can't move out there. We got to keep our hearts flexible, because when the time comes, we got to be ready. When the time comes, we got to, and if you are ready then, then you'll be ready now as well. And if, if you come to the place where you think about yourself somewhere else, and you think there is no chance, there's no chance I would do that, then we need to have a second thought and think, you know, examine our hearts and see what's got, what's got me so rooted in place that if God sent me somewhere, I wouldn't go, right? That's, a, that's worth thinking about. That's worth going through. So we've got to be willing, if we're going to plant churches, we need to consider going on a plant, run ourselves through that, be ready for it, be thinking about it. Second, we need to be faithful here if I don't go, right? Not everyone can go, right? We need a home base, we need a place that can keep growing and, and continually supporting, but I've got to be faithful here if I don't go. Sometimes when people think about going on a church plant, they start thinking, okay, now I've got to get ready. I got to get extra faithful. I got to step my Jesus level up like three points, right? But really, whether you stay or go should not be what determines whether you're faithful to Jesus, right? You shouldn't have to get extra faithful to go on a church plant. We should be doing that all the time. And then when you send those people out, then they're already ready, right? And you may have to do some training to be together, but, but man, like that, your heart is ready. You can stick someone. If you send, if you stick a warrior for Christ anywhere, they can operate. And we've seen it over and over again. And that's what we saw in the early church. 
You see warriors for Christ who are ready to go and fight for souls, and you just stick them in a place they've never been before, and boom, there's a church, right? That's just how they worked. That's how they operated, because the Spirit of God was with them. In Acts 8 and 1, it says, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles, right? So the church gets scattered but a group of leaders stays behind. And, and trust me, they didn't stay behind because it was the more comfortable thing to do, right? Everyone's leaving because they're getting hit with a bunch of persecution. A core stayed because someone had to stay and deal with the hardest stuff and continue to keep the home church strong. And as we grow larger, it's going to be easier to get comfortable and happy with what we have, right? And happy with what we, you know, there was a time where, you know, take our kids ministry, right? When, you know, when we came here, you know, and and my kids are the youth group, you know, and it's like, you know, and, and there's all these other churches that have like these huge kids programs, right? And then Jack comes along and we're like, we've got one more. We've like, you know, 25% growth in our, you know, whatever, in our, our youth ministry, right? But it, in that moment, it's easy to say, man, I got to bring some people so my kids have someone to play with, right? And I want them to know Jesus. That's the most important thing, but cool side benefit. They've got kids. Maybe the, you know, their kids can be friends of my kids, and we've got a youth ministry. It's awesome. Kids ministry. It's easy to say that when you're like, when the, the push is there, when you're like, man, there's just no other kids here. We need some other kids. But what happens when we've got a thriving kids ministry with a bunch of kids, and my kids have more friends than they know what to do with? right? In that moment, it's harder to say, hey, let's do that again. Let's go back to that place where my kids were the kids ministry, right? Let's go back to that place where, where they've got to make friends in school again and start bringing their friends around, right? It can be hard to do that, but if we're faithful now, if we keep our mindset strong and we keep reaching out and we keep being um, on point, then as we, as we grow and when it comes time to plant, we'll be ready. We need a foundation here but we need to do it the whole time with the mindset that we're ready to move where God moves us. Amen? In Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, Whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. And I would say, wherever you do it, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. You know that you will receive an inheritance as a reward. You serve the Lord Christ. When I was looking for my first job in ministry and I had... I had a lot of opportunities in places where I had previously told God I absolutely would not go. Um, I wouldn't go anywhere with snow. I wouldn't go anywhere more than a few hours from Florida. I wouldn't go anywhere, whoops, you know, like I wouldn't go. Um, there were all these places I, I, I didn't think I would go. And a mentor came and he said, you know what, if you go out in the spirit of Christ and ready to do whatever he calls you to, wherever you end up is going to be your dream job. Anywhere you go is going to be your dream job. And that has been true every day that I followed that advice. Wherever you go, whatever you do, if you do it for the Lord and you do it with his heart, you're going to be so thankful that you ended up where you are, even if it's the last place you expected to be. Sometimes leaving is that this is the place you never thought you'd be, right? And you're just like desperate to get, I got to get out of here, right? That's what I got, I got to leave. I've been here all my life, right? And sometimes this is the last place you would be, but if you will stay here with the, with the heart of Christ, then it's going to be your favorite place you've ever been. It'll transform for you. And then finally, what can we do to help connect plant churches? We've got to be sacrificial and support church plants. And before you think, here comes the money part, right? I was waiting for it. Here it comes, right? This is about where your heart is. It's, it's about your willingness to be a part of what's going on in whatever way that you are able to do that. 
right? And there are so many ways that we do that. It's going to take bodies. It's going to take people that are willing to do that. It's going to take people that stay back here and, and, and have hearts that say, I'm willing to let my best friend, you know, leave and go out on this awesome thing that they're doing and trust that God will keep our relationship strong while I keep home base strong, right? It's going to mean financially sometimes. It's going to mean with our time and going out and supporting, just like we do right now, right? When we talk about this all the time, we have a campus ministry. We don't have a Claremore campus ministry and a Tulsa campus ministry. We have a campus ministry that sometimes is doing stuff in Claremore, and we have stuff, people that are sometimes doing stuff in Tulsa, but when the need is there, we all gather around, and we have all hands on deck, is what we call it, right? All hands on deck means we're a family, and we're about it, and it doesn't matter where you're from or where I've been. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to help you out. We're going to support, and we're going to support by sacrifice. In 2 Corinthians 9, it says, Each of you must make up your own mind about how much to give. He's talking about there was a church in need, that church that was taking a beating in Jerusalem, that had launched out all these other churches, including the church in Corinth, right? So this is a point where the church plant, and this could happen, we don't know. We could send out a church plant, it could double us up, right, and be the new home base. We don't know. And so that's what happened in Corinth. The church is thriving, Jerusalem's struggling. We're like, we're going to help our brothers out. We're going to go out there, but it's each of you must make up your own mind about how much to give. Don't feel sorry that you must give, and don't feel you are forced to give. God loves people who love to give. God can bless you with everything you need, and you will always have more than enough to do all kinds of good things for others. What you are doing is much more than a service that supplies God's people with what they need. It is something that will make many others thank God. The way in which you have proved yourselves by this service will bring honor and praise to God. You believe the message about Christ, and you obeyed it by sharing generously with God's people and with everyone else. You know, no one can make up your mind to be sacrificial for what Jesus says is important. We've got to make that decision ourselves. But when we do, then cool stuff happens, right? And some of the people that have contributed the most to this church cannot drive, don't have a lot of excess funds, right? Are some of the neediest people in this church are some of the people that have brought and enriched this church in the biggest ways. They've brought the most people. They've been the most selfless. They've been there when we needed them, right? That's, that's what this church is. It's just a bunch of people with whatever we have access to pulling it together and saying, we're going to grow. And we're going to grow not by putting on an attractive show and trying to bring in and entertain as many people as possible. We're going to grow by one by one connecting with hearts and loving on them in a way that Jesus loved us. And we're going to keep growing until there's enough help to help those who are hurting. Amen? That's our goal. Um, if you are a part of this body, um, if you're already a member of this church, then, then we're about that. And I'm excited for that. And, and we want to do that. And so we're going to take up an offering um, from our members where you can we're pass around some buckets and you can give toward the work that we're doing. Um, for our guests, here's what I'd love. Um, if you're a guest here, we don't, we don't ask for your money. Um, what I'd love is, is for a connection. I'd love a chance to spend some time with you, and we'd love the chance to spend some time with you. So um, you've got communication cards in your bulletins. Um, there's a section there where you can talk about just what do you need? Do you need prayer for something? Because um, we'd love to pray with you. If you feel isolated or you feel like, man, these people have a purpose, they have a passion about stuff, and, and I kind of want to see what they're passionate about, then then let's get together and we'll we'll go through the Bible and we'll talk to you about what's you know, what's in there and, and why we're about it. You know, when, when someone first asked me to study the Bible with them, um, I was like, no, I don't, I feel guilty enough. I don't need a bunch of more rules to feel guilty about. Because um, I thought that's what it was. I thought it was a big book of stuff you're not supposed to do. Um, and, uh, and then someone opened it to me and I saw this stuff that Jesus was doing. I'm like, this is wild. 
I mean, this is so different than what I thought. And then I got to see people doing it, and I'm like, this is cool. When it's, in, when it's put into practice, it's like nothing I've ever seen. Um, and we'd love to take that journey with you now. Um, so let's pray. Let us know how we can serve you, um, and, uh, and we'll bring it to God. Our Father in heaven, um, thank you for not being satisfied with where you were. And, and Jesus, thank you for not being satisfied with where you were. Thank you for looking down on our broken, hurting world. Um, and the, the ugly stuff that we put ourselves and others through and saying, it is not enough for me to be comfortable. I need my creation with me. I need my sons and daughters with me. Father, thank you for allowing Jesus to come to us, to sacrifice himself, um, to love on us in a passionate way that showed us how to love others. I pray that we would carry that on, that we wouldn't become comfortable, that we wouldn't become complacent, but that we would be a church that's about your business. Father, that's excited to reach out to others, even when it's messy, even when it's hard, even when we're taking heat. Um, Father, I pray that you would help us to, to open our hearts to those who are around us, to not swerve around those who are uncomfortable, um, to not avoid those who are unfamiliar, but to gather up everyone you put in front of us and, and bring them into your arms. Um, we love you. Please, Father, bring more workers for the harvest. In Jesus' name, amen.